Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we talk about the big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thank you for joining us. With immediate effect. When people zone. And I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Order, Jefferson. Point of order, ruling party by strength of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The NC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. This week in the Politics Weekly, we're reflecting on the Zondo Commission's reports so far, effectively the Commission's feedback to the nation as to what happened during those dark days of state capture and who ultimately should be held to account. Uh, joining us for the conversation, Mawande Amashavalala, who's the Sunday Times political journalist, as well as uh, William Kumete, who's associate professor at the School of Governance at Vets University. Uh, welcome to the show to the both of you. Uh, Mawande, let, let us start with you. I mean, you, you have spent quite, uh, probably more than most of us, a lot of time observing and, and noting and reporting on the goings-on at, at, the, at the Zondo Commission. Now, just, just, just to remind those of us who, who don't pay as close attention to these matters as you do, uh, the, the, what were the origins of the commission? Where did it come from? Hmm. Well, uh, Bramag will remember that uh, the, the, the commission is an origin of a report of former public protector advocate, Tudema uh, Donsela, who was investigating... Um, you know, married of complaints against, you know, about allegations of wrongdoing and corruption that was said to be happening at state-owned enterprises such as ESCOM, Transnet, SSA, and all that. But then because the uh, public protector is a small institution with limited budgets and even limited powers, uh, she recommended then that there should be a judicial uh, commission of inquiry to delve deeper into these issues that where she couldn't get. She did find prima facie evidence that some of the allegations had legs to stand on but needed further investigations. And that is how the commission was established. Of course, you remember that it was established against a serious pushback, especially from uh, the, the then uh, ANC led by its former president, Jacob Zuma. The breakthrough really came uh, post the Nazareth conference where President Cyril Ramaphosa was elected as the leader of the ANC and in three months, in, after two months, was also installed as the president of the country. That's when we began to see an appreciation uh, that this commission was indeed necessary. And indeed, it was established in 2018 and it, it, it worked uh, for oral hearings until last year. And now here we are with the two reports only left with the final part to get the full picture of how successful it was. Sometimes we look at the commission as... Uh, the agent or agency that is going to tell tell all basically uh, as to what happened under under state capture. But did everyone who ought to have uh, appeared before the commission actually appear, uh, Mawande? Well, I, I do believe, Ramak, that uh, at least all the important uh, you know parties uh, who were the main alleged uh, you know perpetrators 
as it were, did get an fair opportunity, especially, as I said, that mainly this thing was, this is what people forget, mainly this thing was always about state-owned enterprises, particularly ESCOM, Transnet, SAA, as well as uh, PRASA. And the executives and board members that led during the period under question, which was between 2009 and 2018, did appear, all of them, from Brian Modifer was CEO of both Transnet and ESCOM, Anand Singh was CFO of both uh, Transnet and ESCOM, Achera Koko was CEO of ESCOM, Naki Montana, CEO of Prasa, and they really had time. I mean, in between them, I'm sure they didn't appear less than five times. So really, I think the people who ought to have been given an opportunity to explain themselves were given even more than enough opportunity to explain themselves. But uh, just the first part of your question that commissions can't do everything. They, they are not, you know, the, my criticism of, of, of some of the work of the commission, I feel like some of the issues, it could have referred them earlier on by way before it even delved into them. Because as you see now in the report, most of these issues are still referred for further investigation by several law enforcement agencies. And those law enforcement agencies, such as the NPA, must then determine upon investigating if uh, they have watertight cases that they can uh, you know, take to court. So I believe that such things could have been put aside long time ago. There are certain instances that should have just gone uh, to law enforcement agencies in the first place, because now the question becomes, what was the commission doing if it's going to refer. There were like, there are cases, Bramak, that are straight up criminal. You know, criminal conduct is criminal conduct. And we've got several law enforcement agencies in the country, the hogs, uh, straight subs, and all other things, you know, uh, uh, crime intelligence. Those institutions should have moved into these cases way before the Zondo Commission. And probably the Zondo Commission wouldn't have had to even focus on certain of, of, of these cases and probably would have finished its work much earlier uh, than it took, as we know now, that mm. it took more than three years. And just, just as, a, as a recap, Mawande, we've, we've had two reports so far. How many more to go? Uh, we, we have one more uh, to go. We just don't know uh, how voluminous it will be, but I do believe that the final part will be quite a volume because remember the first part had three volumes and then this uh, second part had two volumes but i believe that uh, the final part will have several volumes because what is remaining in the main is the affairs of of the executive as, as to how it was run during uh, the zumayas uh, the cabinet that is uh, escom escom was a very you know was probably 40 percent of this commission it's still coming there was the issue of bosaza which was also a, a huge chunk of uh, this commission's work you know, and then the issues of all the shenanigans of the Kuptas in the Free State province, issues that happened in municipalities such as the city of Johannesburg. So I, I do believe that uh, we may have uh, one that is bigger than the, the first two as, as the final one. Okay. Prof, the, uh, Mawande has mentioned some of the the main uh, state-owned entities uh, that, that, that were central to the, to the Commission's work. Uh, the likes of SAA, ESCOM, which comes up repeatedly, etc. Why, why was it that the state-owned enter- enterprises or state-owned companies, where the, you know, ended up being the ones which are central to 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 to, to corruption? 
Uh, no, thank you uh, uh, for, for having me. I think I'm just going to start off uh, where Mawande uh, left off. I mean, he said, said something interesting that um, the, uh, the Zonda Commission actually focused on some of the cases. Um, there's a police sort of long uh, investigated um, uh, and the prosecuting uh, authorities, and of course also SARS. So the Zonda Commission is in a sense also an indictment uh, of um, the police, the failure of the police, uh, failure of the prosecuting authorities, and also um, the failure of, of, of SARS. Now, um, the focus on state-owned entities, I mean, we've got over 800 state-owned entities. I mean, I worked on that on a 2009 uh, presidential review report uh, looking at state-owned entities, and we have to go and look to find out, you know, the number of state-owned entities. And when I give you that figure, my sense is that there are actually much more that's not even recorded uh, properly. So, you know, a lot of the corruption happens there because um, state-owned entities have, have massive budgets for procurement, you, you, you know, um, they can make appointments of people, you know, they've got large boards, large executive, and so on. So uh, under the Jacob Zuma presidency, I mean, he used uh, particularly state-owned entities as a vehicle for corruption. And you must also understand, you know, the ANC as a liberation movement of the left is a very status organization. I mean, status means in terms of they believe the state will deliver development. So, you know, the ANC has created and established so many state-owned entities. Of course, you know, the, the ANC government inherited from the apartheid government some state-owned entities, but the ANC has actually created so many more. And that was under the, the guise that uh, supposedly state-owned entities will deliver uh, services and so on, but state-owned access, uh, entities actually become uh, a place of corruption, a place of self-enrichment for, for leading ANC cadres. Let's just go back one one step to the to the earlier point that that you and and Mawande were were, were were touching on in terms of whether the um, law enforcement uh, agencies could have acted uh, sooner while the the commission was going on. But it isn't the prior question: What happened? Where was law enforcement during the years of state capture? What was going on in the state, particularly in the agencies, the police, uh, intelligence, all kinds of intelligence, all of that? What was going on at that time? Mawanda, do you want to go first? Yes. Look, you remember that law enforcement itself was a very, very targeted, uh, you know, a section of, of, of public service because it, it wouldn't have been possible for all these things to happen if we had a principled and upright uh, law enforcement agencies at the time. So you'd remember that how you then do it, you deploy uh, lackeys, if I may put it that way, or people who are aligned with your project. You know, you'd remember during uh, President Jacob Zuma's time, there was a lot of a back and forth of, you know, appointments within the law enforcement agencies, NPA, police, and, and, and so on and so forth, because it was a matter of when he, he, he recognizes that you are probably not playing ball in terms of what he and his friends within the business fraternity, being the Gupta family, uh, were trying to achieve, then you'd have to move aside. So it had to be people who were in agreement with the project, who were also probably also looking to make a quick buck through salaries by just agreeing to everything. So there's a lot of collapse that happened within, uh, you know, law enforcement agencies during that time. And I think then, I mean, maybe to the defense of the current uh, leadership within law enforcement agencies is that it has taken time because it didn't only become at the top of, you know, the leadership of these agencies. It also 
trickled down to the foot soldiers who were actually doing the work. So reversing all that kind of, you know, rot or mess would take quite some time. But I do think that by now, at least we should begin to see results of a more biting uh, law enforcement agency. Mm. Uh, Prof? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the state capture could not have taken place if law enforcement, intelligence and security and the pro- prosecuting authorities uh, were not captured. So, you know, the, the capturing of those of that um, access of the of you know law enforcement access has, was a key part of making um, you know the state state capture project uh, possible. And of course, you know the major policy there is of course is the deployment com- uh, a policy of the ANC of deploying pliant, uncritical, or corrupt and incompetent cadres to every part of the state state of entities from CEOs to boards to the prosecutor prosecution authorities to the police and that made it possible you know because people always ask they say how did it happen that we we got here in terms of state capture it all began with their deployment you know if you control the appointment of almost every single uh, critical person um, in in state entities in the public service in the police prosecuting authorities really, um, you know, you make it possible to capture a whole a country. And that is what has happened. Now, the problem, of course, also going forward is in the terms of, I mean, I think one of the possibly the missing part of the Zona Commission, they did not really look specifically at the prosecution authorities and some of the law enforcement agencies. I mean, they did look at intelligence, but, you know, the NPA, the Hawks, you know, all of those entities were captured. Um, and now, of course, these are the entities now that will have to follow up on the recommendation. Now, you must also remember that most of those entities are still captured. So you, you may have new heads, but the bulk of the staff there, many of these entities are part of the, you, you know, the Jacob Zuma state capture projects. And, and, and they are going to make it, I think they're going to try to slow down. They are going to try to block any kind of investigation. I mean, we've already seen it. They're not, um, the the walks, for example, complain they're not getting the funding. They just completed investigation into the PPE uh, corruption, for example, but so far they haven't been paid for it. So we're going to see a lot of those type of stonewalling to prevent any investigation coming out of the Zona Commission. Mm. And and prof one view you know of 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 state capture you know it, it, when we talk about state capture it conjures up uh, this picture of Jacob Zuma sitting in the in, in the like the spider in the web or this octopus with its tentacles all over like the the the, the brain behind everything is it, it was it quite like that because I'm thinking what about businesses who were feeding off the trough like the audit firms for example. Um, no, so I, I I don't really believe the um, the image of Jacob Zuma sitting as a spider, you know, a spider web. I, I think you know our society, um, all parts of society are actually fundamentally corrupt and systemically corrupt. All parts of our society, and of course, it's only possible because the governing party that has been so dominant. Um, has been corrupt itself. Uh, you, you know, the ANC has dominated our society as, as liberation movements typically do after the end of independence. And then the ANC culture then becomes the cu- country's a culture. I mean, what we've seen here, I think is possibly extraordinary, there's a corruption in the, what one would call respected um, or, uh, professions, um, the auditing firm, uh, firms, the medical professionals, the law lawyers, the banks, uh, because all of them had to be, 
you have to help, have to facilitate to make the corruption, the state capture uh, possible. And I think that really, so the conversation should just not be about Jacob Zuma, of course, and the Guptas and the ANC, but the conversation should also be about, you know, what are the banks now doing? Um, are we going to get reparations uh, out of the banks? Are we going to see uh, people be held accountable in the audit firms, in the banks? in terms of the medical professions, in the law firms, uh, are we going to see that? Because that is important. So not just the focus on Jacob Zuma and his coterie of people, but also those in the private sector. Mm. Uh, Mawan, the, the commission, obviously we're still waiting for the, you know, or, or, or the last report uh, of, of, of the commission, but what is coming out you know, seems to be that uh, the, the commission is recommending uh, action and consequences of different forms for certain people, uh, certain categories of people. Now, the, the, do you think that the, the South African state or law enforcement, you know, broadly speaking, has the capacity to follow through? Mm. Or should it perhaps just cherry pick and let the, as it were, the rats and mice go away and go for the so-called big fish? Mm. Or should we take a principled position that everyone who was implicated has to face the music? Well, I mean, the issues of capacity, primarily for starters, they are, they are real, as, as William was saying earlier on, the budget constraints of NPA and, and other, uh, you know, uh, agencies like, like them is a serious issue. And, and then secondly, again, the fact that, as I said earlier, that this thing, it didn't end only at the top, for instance, within the NPA itself. For instance, let me make an example with ESCOM. Uh, ESCOM staff almost tripled uh, during Jacob Zuma's time to what he found it as, the staff complement in terms of numbers of ESCOM. So those people, let's say two-thirds of people working at ESCOM right now would see themselves as beneficiaries of this uh, state capture phenomenon, and therefore they would do anything to defend what they benefited from. That is how it is in all state institutions, which will make it more difficult for, for for those that ought to be you know investigated further and possibly be prosecuted to, to, to be prosecuted because it will take a very long time to completely clean out uh, these uh, you know state institutions if it ever happens by the way because it might well happen that uh, the, the current administration that is trying to clean up if say December this year at the NC conference they are defeated and the old guard the old faction aligned to former President Zuma comes back, then the whole thing just gets restarted once more and then it continues and so on. So it's going to be a very difficult one, Prima, but I, I guess going for the obvious one, the big fishes where there's tangible and tight evidence, winnable cases, it would be a good lesson to sort of act as, you know, some sort of a measure to say, if you do this, there may be consequences because there's nothing as bad as after both the public... Uh, uh, former public protector uh, Truma Dozera's report and this commission having uh, issued their reports. If nothing happens, then we might as well kiss law and order goodbye and say uh, South Africa is officially a banana republic. Prof. Kumete, what, what approach would you take if you were if you were the president or if you were sitting in you know at the NPA or, or even at the Hawks? You know, the problem, of course, here is that the governing party is actually um, being indicted here. So we, we think of the fact that it is, you know, the state and SOEs, but as actually the ANC has been under investigation by the Zonda Commission. Now, the, now the challenge is 
if a party has been found through his its top leaders as fundamentally corrupt and, and, and having been involved in state capture, you know, from the top down to the bottom, um, how does that party that over that manages the government then do a thorough investigation? I mean, that is impossible. Therefore, uh, normally what happens uh, in a democracy, what should theoretically happen is that the ANC should have now um, declared or, or rather stepped down, you, you know, the government falls. So, you know, when one here in other democracies, of, of democracies of a government for before an elections so this is a sort of thing so uh, you know from a from a constitutional point of view because the ANC it really is being found um, um, to be so fundamentally corrupt essentially uh, of and the ANC government should step down and actually call new elections I mean that actually what should happen uh, from a constitutional and a democracy point of view now clearly that's not going to happen so what are the, the alternatives I mean the alternative of course is to pick a couple of Top people, you know, that's uh, um, the thing with the Zonda Commission has given us a list of some key and critical people that have been involved in corruption. And then to go all out and go and prosecute these people and at least to bring accountability because the public, I mean, the public is waiting um, to see if the Zonda Commission is going to be another damn squab and whether the ANC actually is going to be held accountable. And so from a Ramaphosa point of view, to save, it's, it's not only, for, it's of course in the public interest that he does that, but also to save his own to his own skin and to save the ANC. Because if he does not investigate or rather take at least some of the, the top uh, corrupt people and, and push uh, for prosecution uh, for them, we will see the ANC losing power in the next, the next national election. And he's not going to be the president uh, of the country. And he will be disgraced, of course. And the ANC will also be disgraced. So this, I think, also, if he doesn't understand it, uh, and he should understand that this is also a, a battle for his political life, uh, not only for the political life of the people that need to be investigated, but also his and the ANC's political life here also. Yeah, Mawanda, you, you spoke about people in the in the SOEs who might be threatened by any notion of prosecutions. Um, but just having having listened to the evidence at, uh, at 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 the commission, is there a likelihood that some leaders of the ANC might have to be prosecuted? See, the the, the challenge is with the ANC. It's like how can I put it? It's, it's an alliance of I, I don't know, I don't want to use a strong word, but you see, the survival of several ANC uh, leaders is usually intertwined with others. For instance, as, as, as to pick up from what William was saying, the survival of President Cyril Ramaphosa for a second term within the ANC uh, is solely reliant on how many ANC provinces are going to pronounce him and support him and delegates that are going to do that. Now, let's make an example and say, uh, some of the leaders of these provinces are accused of having been involved in state capture and corruption and fraud within the, the public sector and are fingered by the Zono Commission and are said uh, that they must be investigated and prosecuted. But then as President Ramaphosa, what do you do uh, that someone is leading province A, the other is leading province D, the other is leading project E, and all these people, they've promised you their support, but here you are now uh, in a question to situation. It's either you act principally and arrest if arrest needs to be made, or you think selfishly and say, I need a second term. These fellows have the numbers. They're going to deliver that second term to me. I'm sorry about the principles. I'm sorry about the report. So it, it's that, and it's unfortunate that this report came during an election year within the ANC. So I highly doubt, Pramak, that they will be arrested. They may be 
also, even if they are arrested, it may be viewed, if it's, for instance, it's people who belong to a particular faction, it may be viewed as weaponizing the report just to deal with certain people. For instance, I wrote a study about uh, the Minister of Communications and Digital Technology, uh, Kumbuto Nchabeni, who is understood and known to be one of the allies of former of, of, of the current president, President Sir Ramaphosa. Now it will be watched very close as to what president does to Minister Nchabeni since she has been implicated. Zono was very harsh on, on how she performed while she was a board member at Denel and, and actually recommended that law enforcement agencies must look into her and all those other board members were there at the time. So you see, those are the complications. Now it becomes an interesting part. Let's say then the next report uh, recommends someone who belongs to the opposite faction. You act on this one, you don't act on that one. Then it makes the whole process a fast. So that is the ends the dynamics and politics and toxicity generally will make this process quite a difficult one. And I, I if history is anything to go by, I don't see this bearing any fruits from it. Uh, Prof, do you, do you want to give us a more, a more, because listening to Mawande, I just feel like slashing my wrists. Do you want to give us a more optimistic uh, prognosis? Unfortunately, it's not uh, a very optimistic because, you know, I, I, I agree with him. Yes, the ANC is not going to prosecute um, anyone. I, I mean, if they do, if they're going to prosecute people, it's going to be really a low hanging fruit, you know, low apprentice people without uh, influence uh, uh, and, and without uh, following because. I mean, what they're now trying to do is they're trying to save the ANC and not the country. So, um, you know, uh, what the public can do, because um, as ordinary citizens, um, what we need to do, we need to ensure that as the ANC collapses, that the ANC doesn't take the country uh, with it. So uh, maybe civil society could, for example, go for civil prosecutions, um, you know, because now we, the Zona, Zona Commission has given us the people, uh, the lists of the corrupt. So it would be up to civil society if the ANC uh, do not prosecute people, because I don't think the ANC is going to be prosecuting people because they want to uh, retain uh, or maintain unity of the party, hold the party together. It will, will be civil society will have to take people um, to court and, and hold them accountable. The next thing is also possibly, I mean, from a positive point of view, um, when the ANC eventually it's very unlikely that the ANC is going to prosecute um, senior leaders of the party. Um, I mean, they will possibly prosecute very, you know, people, very junior people, people without a following um, uh, uh, and so on, uh, without a mass following. Um, I think that is the reality because um, the ANC uh, is trying to save the party um, and they're not trying to save the country. Now, as citizens, what we could do, possibly do, and, and civil society organizations is actually to take to go for civil prosecutions uh, because uh, the Zona Commission has given us a list of people who are who have been uh, found to be corrupt, and then um, you know take them to court uh, uh, for prosecution that way. The second one is also once the ANC is out of power because the ANC is on its way out of power now, as they try to save themselves as a party and not a country, that actually will push them out of power because that will that will make people not to vote for them again. Then I guess the new the opposition that will get into power in two years' time will then be able to do the prosecutions, the clean up in the state, uh, uh, in state-owned entities, because they would not be connected uh, to the ANC at all. Okay. Just, just to close off very, very briefly, uh, uh, Prof, almost a billion rands uh, later, money well spent? 
Um, you know, um, well, yeah, it, I would say money well spent in terms of uh, it's a lot of money, of course. It, uh, but you know, I think people must recognize that um, the prosecution, the prosecuting authorities, police, and so on, are all corrupt. They, they would have never done this investigation. At least we're getting some truth. I mean, not all of the truth, but enough of the truth to prosecute, even if we, if the prosecution is not now, but prosecute in the future. Okay. All right. Hey, Mawande, money, money well spent. The last word to you. Well, Abraham, I mean, we can only determine that once we, we see real outcomes out of it in terms of action, people, you know, heads rolling, you know, people in orange overalls. I mean, anything less than that, any low-hanging fruits or anything of sort really will, will bring this into question. And by the way, I hear a lot of people saying it's a billion rand. It's actually way more than that, just that I don't have the actual figure now. So imagine if after all that more than a billion rand, and then there's nothing to show for it. But I mean, I guess only time will tell. I would say I will give the government of the day at least this year to 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 you know to 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 either act or not act. Then we can be able to pass judgment as to whether it was manual spent or not. Okay, uh, gentlemen, uh, that's where we will stop it for this week on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly. Uh, and I'd like to thank you both, Mawande Amashabalala, who's the Sunday Times Politics Journalist, as well as uh, Professor uh, William Gumete from the School of Governance at Vets University. And by the way, for a podcast of this conversation, you can go to iona.fm, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. Until next time, do remember to stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. I'm Mike Siluma, signing off.